Happy Thanksgiving! Yeah! Happy Thanksgiving, or it, it was on Thursday. It was. One of the best holidays, I must say, ever. You think so? Yeah, I bet so many other people are so jealous. I mean... We're not Americans that have this. Canada, Canada has a Thanksgiving as well, so I see It's only like in the US and Canada. Yeah, I know. Everyone else is missing out. Yeah, no, I mean, they. I think they are. Yeah, you enjoyed it, right? I, This time, I really enjoyed it. I mean, my wife, cool. my wife, Kaylee... That's her biggest holiday, too. Yeah. If it's something I cannot skip or have a stupid excuse, excuse. to <laughs> leave or cannot go to, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> I have to be there with her and her family during Thanksgiving. And and it's definitely an experience, man. Uh, families and friends getting together. There are a lot of good food. That's Yeah, that's the main thing. That's the main thing, right? The families getting together is nice. Yeah. But that's, that's the side bit. Bonus. But the real... The real, in my opinion, yeah. the real crux of Thanksgiving is the boatloads of food. Tell me, food. tell me, what food do you have on your plate? Normally, well, I'm a very picky eater, so honestly, yes, <laughs> I guess being, super picky, having man. a boatloads of food doesn't necessarily matter to me. But uh, of the food that I like, I get a ton, which is normally my, um, well, normally it's ham. I like ham. I'm... Turkey's okay, but I'm not the biggest fan of turkey. But okay. It's okay. I can eat it. It's all right. But ham, I like ham. So I always have ham. My parents make me have some sort of vegetable, so I'll have a vegetable. <laughs> uh, uh, like green beans or something. But yeah. um, I like salad. But uh, normally I have a good bit of ham. And then especially my dad's famous macaroni and cheese, Oof. which is is it that good oh my god it's so good man i want to try it you should try it i so love mac and cheese loves, everyone it's so good really everyone always says it's so good not just that but my dad also makes cheesecake which i don't care about but oh that sounds good too he's dude. that's what he's mostly known for his cheesecakes i think he started selling them or something now too really i think, I think so that's awesome man but this time i have to say though uh we didn't get as much of that because normally we go to my aunt's house and we have family coming down yeah um and it's great. Uh, but this time, I know some of my family from New York was busy, so they didn't make it down. Um, a couple of them did, but most of them didn't. And uh, instead of going over to my aunt's house, we went to we went to Lake Lanier. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know Lake Lanier? Yeah. Uh, and there was a really fancy restaurant that we went to. So my dad didn't bring his macaroni, didn't bring his cheesecake. Uh, but it was still... It was, That's a little uh, bit different. Yeah, it was. Usually you do it at home or at someone's yeah. place, but this time a restaurant? Yeah. It was a how, nice how, restaurant, but how did it go? I went all right. There's still good ham, <laughs> so that was nice. Uh, and Lake Lanier is a very beautiful, like sort of community, sort of resort, totally uh, area. Like 40, 45 minutes outside Atlanta. Yeah, um, uh, I would have preferred to be at home, right at my aunt's house, with my dad's macaroni. <laughs> I mean, mac and cheese is one of my favorites, man. Um, Kaylee's dad is real good chef. Mm. Like he he cooked turkey in three different ways, like in the oven. It was like infrared. It was three different ways. You know infrared. What I mean? Yeah, I, you know it's <laughs> techniques, man. What? <laughs> so it was a lot of turkey, a lot of mac and cheese, and um, uh, and Kaylee she made devil's eggs, huh? and there were plenty of food, dude. I don't know, man. It's like. You know, being from Sweden, this holiday is so distant from me. <laughs> yeah, but... Like, you know, like, yeah, we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate all these other holidays, but Thanksgiving is so different, and it, it, it's so special, too, at the same time. Um, it's definitely a cultural shock. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, experience that is kind of hard to describe, but, like, I went to... Alcoa, which is like 20 minutes outside Knoxville. And Knoxville is like East Tennessee. Mm. You know? This is a small town. Not that much that happens. Kaylee's family were there, right? Uh, big brother, little brother, sister. They all were there. And uh, Kaylee's oldest brother has two kids. Mm. So at one point, before food, uh, I was out there and throwing the American football with them. 
throwing the American football. With, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's okay. You don't say that? No, but that's funny. How, how do you like, say it? Just throwing a football. Yeah, but I mean, I know. I but... mean, like we're here and doing a football podcast, right? So <laughs> I've never heard of it. You can say it, American football, but I've never heard. I mean, you can say it that way. I, suppose, <laughs> but I, I was throwing a football instead or you of could kicking say it. Throwing it a pigskin. Pigskin. Yeah. Better. Throw that ball like a goalkeeper, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, there were a lot of talks about college football, um, NFL, and, uh, you know, I'm not that, I don't know that much about it, you know, but that's the, like, the main topics, right? Mm. We were strictly told to not talk about politics, you know, like, because uh, it's kind of like me and Kayla have a totally different view from them, mm. you know? I mean, let me remind you, this is, like, the belt of Tennessee, you know yeah, what I mean? No, they're in the, the heartland, the south. Yeah, dude. Smoky Mountains, country music, it's it's Fox News. Yeah. You know, like if very you right sided people. Very right sided. Like if you would you know, I, I even shaved, I wouldn't look like a jihadist when I went <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um and uh, and the families, you know, Interestingly enough, like there's so much love behind the hate, which is very fascinating. That's good. You know what I mean? Like as in hate, I mean like this is a household full of Donald Trump supporters. And, uh, you know, we really don't agree with that side of the politics and what th- that stands for, right? I mean, like there was a discussion. I wasn't there, but it was like about this statues taking down. Which you know, therefore, it was wrong. Right. You know, we erased the Confederate statues. Confederate so, yeah. statues, and we, which is like, uh, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? They, it reminds of totally something else than what they think it stands for. Anyways, man. So not to make this very long, but um, th- there's always a game after we have dinner. There's like always a card that you have to read. Sometimes it's something funny. Sometimes it's something serious. But you don't know, like. You, you get a random card, right? That is already on the table, you know? And uh, I remember the first year I went there. And the first year, I was very nervous. And this was like uh, me in a time where I left my family, friends in Sweden. And I didn't have any job. I couldn't get any job in the U.S. And like, the entire picture of who I was and who I am was kind of totally lost. Like, I'm, you know, I'm here but there's like no really purpose or anything in life, you know what I mean? So I was not really in the right state. And I remember one time Kaylee mentioned a story to me, like when a guy were dating Kaylee's sister and uh, the parents were cool with him, but they got very suspicious after a while. Like they didn't know the guy that long and he lived there and, and he moved in with them. And eventually, they chased his ass, kind of. Like, they called him out because it showed out that he was a con artist. You know? Like, he He was... He dated Kaylee's sister? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which... um, When they did the background check on the guy and he talked to some people that knew him, it came that he has been doing this. Mm. And this kind of got stuck on me, like, uh, this distrust that they don't trust you know what i mean yeah. and and i didn't know kaylee for long before we got married mm. so i was so paranoid when i was sitting at that table you know what i mean i just explained you the entire environment everything right they're and on edge a bit they're on edge with, uh, and this with, is and yeah. this is uh, this is like the first time i went there I, this was the first time so i kind of know the views they don't really know me like they don't know me at all and here comes like me, you know what I mean? A Turkish, Swedish guy into this household as someone yeah. that recently just got married to Kaylee. You Kayleigh. do give off vibes of uh, shadiness. <laughs> shadiness, man. <laughs> Automatically, the, the, there's like, what does this guy want, right? And uh, I remember having almost like a panic attack at the table. Seriously. Like, it was, I was so afraid about what question is under that card. Like, what is that card? Better answer carefully. You right? <laughs> I mean... They joke a lot, so I would like to crack a, a joke. joke you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my biggest fear, I literally, like, my biggest fear would be, like, 
one way or another they were like they going to call me out on something that is wrong you know what i mean like they're gonna accuse me of not loving kayla i'm not in for this the right purpose and you hear sometimes people say oh you did you do it for the green card and shit like oh, that yeah, yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so i was afraid that that card was put there on uh, intentionally like there was they, they knew what card is underneath it and i was shitting my pants about that card and uh, sure enough it was my turn right and I pull the card up. You know what it says? Have you ever been conned before? Uh, uh. And that question came. And I remember my state, how I was like, dude, just what's going on? Like, seriously, what is this? Like, I was so paranoid, out of touch of everything, and basically freaking out. And I can't understand love them being on edge i can understand if they were hurt some way yeah as con artists but uh i don't know i don't know if they put that there on purpose (laughs) i don't know either i don't think so (laughs) i don't think so i don't think so but you know it's kind of like it was and it was something that i've been judging myself you know what i mean like i kind of uh been too hard you know, there is, if, if they accuse, if they criticize, then do it. You know what I mean? Like, I know the truth, right? And um, um, I, I, it, it is stuff like this that needs to be recognized more in sports, in society, and especially among men. It's kind of like when you get sick, you get a cold, you know, you, you know physically that you're not well. Like, you feel weak. But we never really talk about any type of mental illness that um, your mind is not well. Like when your mind gets sick. And it's important topics, especially when we are under pressure and that's not easy to handle. But today, we are very thankful (laughs) and grateful and appreciative that we are sitting here and you guys are listening to a new amazing episode of the all scotch and king soccer podcast show welcome We got a lot of responses from your listeners about our episode last week. We, you know, we talked about what change does U.S. soccer need, and how do you feel now after we had done that episode, Kerry? I don't feel any different. I feel. I mean, you're still bitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think as long as people are aware of the circumstances around U.S. soccer, I suppose what's wrong what's right then then i think all the better then i'm glad that we did that episode i do like talking about it even though it's such a depressing talk topic yeah i do like talking about it and it's I'm important glad, to talk i know i'm glad it's being talked about too yeah totally totally and uh, thanks guys for sending us emails and sharing your story there was this one guy in uh, someone from kennesaw georgia it's mm-hmm. like an hour or something away from us um, send us the email about his story and it was uh, this is his I can't go ahead and tell his name Colin Billsley he wrote that he felt such a disappointment in the system when when she graduated high school because uh, now he didn't really have a team to practice with and he didn't go to college that. he didn't go college straight away and uh, he basically mentioned that he then, at that point, realized that um, that throughout his youth career, he never really knew like what the next steps are. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he said, I knew I knew college was an option, but 
financially it wasn't for me. Mm. Uh, I guess for the parents, you know what I mean? Uh. And uh, that kind of struck me like that, that you can't have the talent, you can't have the talent, but you can still maybe not make it to college and then what, you yeah, know? I hear that. And uh, especially with the with, uh, whole what comes next sort of thing. I mean, when I was around that age, I did entertain, as I'm sure we all did, I did entertain the thoughts of being a professional player right by the time i actually finished high school i I was then more thinking of i was thinking of going to school i wasn't necessarily thinking of being a professional yeah um but definitely going through like once i was 13 14 even 15 or so i did entertain that idea yeah but then once that high school year finishes or that u19 club soccer finishes you're not going to college for to play soccer for whatever reason or you're not in some club's academy yeah. team, then it's almost like what were these past several years of youth soccer for? For yeah, some some I know a lot of kids playing youth soccer don't want to be professionals. They're doing it just because it's fun. Yeah, but a lot of them do, and so then once it happens, even if they're not going to be the top top exactly exactly, they should still have that sort of avenue exactly a chance to get into a professional level in some way. Right, and somehow down the way they. The purpose of it, right? Like mm. I wanted to be a professional. I want to be as good as I could be. Um, and sometimes it's the system which we talked about last week. As both Oz and I have mentioned rather frequently on the show, we do coach. We coach U uh, eleven girls. Yes. And just a couple weeks ago, actually, one of them during practice, one of them told me that um, uh, that she wanted to become. She said she wanted to become a professional player ever since she was little mm. and i'm thinking i want her to i want to do the best i can to to send her in that direction exactly and i have occasionally said to two players at least in the team that hey let's put down the hard work because you're gonna make it to the national team one day mm. and you know now some people say hey what do you give false hopes and stuff like that right but like if if someone can at least mention the word national team and understand that there is a way to get there yeah and maybe we can light a fire in it right but unfortunately there are difficulties there are hurdles that have to be overcome not just on general u.s soccer talk like we mentioned before right but just the fact that they're girls yeah is uh, challenging for them to really be the best that they can be and make something out of it. Exactly. And, you know, that's very disappointing. You know, uh, there's one thing with the system and all that, but it's very disappointing that... Uh, um, their gender. Their gender a part, plays yeah. a part. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, we had Pia Sundhage, the ex-national team coach for U.S. women's team and Sweden's, that has played her entire life soccer and been coaching, right? She she mentioned that hurdles in the interview we had, but she also mentioned the the uprise of women's soccer now that yeah. we are seeing. You know, there's a lot of at least attempts. You know, or, or like we talked about, we see a big potential in an untapped market. So, um, as we promised last week, we are going to call Victoria Sandel Svensson, and she has played soccer. She was a striker for Jurgården. Elfa and the Swedish women's national team. Captain the national team, participated well. in World Cups and Olympic tournaments. Yes. Uh, top player. Top player, a legend within the women's soccer in Sweden for sure. And we're going to call her up because she's a project manager at the UFS Hattrick program, which, which is trying to help players, trying to help organizations throw funding, throw knowledge, and throw education to make the path to become a professional soccer player better. So let's go ahead and call Victoria right now. Hey Victoria, det var Öster här. Hur mår du? Jag mår bra. Hur mår du? Jag mår bra också. Jag mår bra också. Um, då, då, då kör vi lite snabbt då om uh, Hattrick program då. Funkar det? Det som jag är på, äh, 
har ju rapportera om och ansöka om. Ja, men det är riktigt bra. Det, det passar perfekt. Mm. Det passar perfekt. Uh, uh, Victoria, I want to introduce Kerry. He's sitting right next to me. <laughs> Hello, Victoria. Good to talk to you. Hello. Uh, good, thank you. Um, let's go straight into it. The hat trick program that UFA is doing. You've been playing soccer in ter- career, Victoria. And uh, what what role do you have in the hat trick program right now? Uh, I'm the project manager for the, the hat trick program. It has been a change on the Swedish FA okay. organization change. And I'm now not on the women's department. Mm-hmm. I'm on the education department. Uh, but the, this uh, hat-trick yeah. uh, football development program that I'm a project leader to, I'm only uh, responsible to send it into EFA and report it. It's the things we do in the uh, football development program is on the women's side so it's how they work that we report to UEFA so I'm responsible of that so Victoria tell me you say you're project leader for for part of the hat-trick program uh can you tell us quickly what what is the hat-trick program for what is its role or its purpose aims that we are um asking for uh, from UEFA is mm-hmm. uh, to list on the players between 17 and 20 years uh, 21 years old mm-hmm. we want uh, we based it on each player's individual needs maybe we want to support them with specialists in uh, psychology fitness nutrition uh, goalkeeping or something uh, we also have uh, national and regional camps that mm-hmm. we have in this uh, thing also, also. Mm-hmm. and we also have education for elite coaches and goalkeeper coaches in this program um, we want the, the trainer uh, to participate in uh, national camps and conference uh, and also we have uh, mentorship program uh, with former female national team players mm-hmm. like myself right. uh, we want more uh, women to be trainer we want to keep them in uh, in the football totally totally me and Kerry we are also coaching here in U- US and um, we do U11 girls so we feel like uh, uh, we can see around when, whenever we coach or have games we can see the lack of female coaches so that's yeah. great that um, yeah. um, you guys are yeah. doing that yeah every uh, 55 uh, nation uh, in the Euro can uh, apply for money from UEFA to uh, development the women's soccer okay so we work for I work for Swedish FA and we want to develop our players of course of course mm. um so if you look at uh, of course we have a we have something like study groups uh, when we visit other countries and uh, last time we had it by our own uh, and then germany slovakia northern ireland uh, bulgaria was uh, and visit us mm. to see how we work with our elite clubs so when I talk to when I talk to Kerry sometimes and um, we compare the the way the American youth system is and how Sweden is, um, since you're working with and focusing on Sweden, can you kind of explain how the Swedish system is if you compare to other countries a yeah. little bit? organization on the both men and women's side so we have the Swedish FA and then we have the interest uh, organization for the elite clubs the two highest league in Sweden mm-hmm. uh, uh, and they work uh, uh, with the trainers and uh, the league the uh, interest uh, organization the Swedish FA work uh, with the district 
person for district who decides how Swedish football should work. So uh, it's a kind of uh, difficult sometimes because it's 24 uh, different wishes how yeah. we should work in Sweden. But you have the leagues, uh, uh, then you have the, the uh, district and you have the FA. And the FA uh, have close uh, work together with the uh, organizations and the districts. Okay. So if you, for example, take players uh, who uh, live, live in Stockholm, mm -hmm. uh, where I live now, mm -hmm. uh, you have a, a team in the district that uh, maybe have a, a couple of uh, camps mm -hmm. in the year when they should um, uh, be 15 years old. Right. And from that, the national coaches take out the players for the national team so you play the league and you can also play for the district and then the national coach picks the players from uh, the districts or the, the clubs i don't know if we have regional camps in sweden sweden is a long country so yeah. uh, you can have a regional camps up in the north and in the middle of Sweden and in the south. Do you understand? Yeah, totally. So every district has uh, camps mm -hmm. where the national coaches can wish it. Right. But uh, the elite clubs own the players uh, full-time in the uh, in the highest league on mm -hmm. both men and uh, women's side. So I don't know if that's the answer you want to have or... No, no, it's it's it paints pretty good on how the um, how it works when you're around 15, 16 years old, and how yeah. you can make it all the way up to the national team eventually. Yeah, I and mean, one thing that you can say you, can say you have a, a regular camps uh, uh, where from 14, 15, 16. Now in Sweden we uh, change a little, but then also you have. Uh, national camps mm -hmm. and then you have uh, national games so uh, we, we want to see a lot of players uh, on the uh, regional camps and then it's a little bit uh, lesser players in the uh, national camps and then when it's a game of course it's endless uh, players be in the team. One thing that you mentioned that, and while listening to you talk, that really strikes me is that how important it is to uh, really foster these players once they're 15, 16, you said it's like 17 through 21, how important those years are in a player's development. And can you just touch on how, why those years particularly are so important, those 16, 17, 18 years old are so important for a player's development to really get them into a uh, on a path for the national team? I think you, you should uh, begin to de develop a player earlier than 15. They should be uh, not ready, but to have them, uh, they should know how they should pass the ball, you know, right. uh, when they come up to the elite clubs or the national team. But then they should specialist on what they need to uh, do better. Uh, but I don't say that when you are 15 uh, years old that you should maybe when the national team begin in 15 years you can begin to select players mm -hmm. everyone can't be in the national team or mm -hmm. on the field on the same time right. so I think you should you can develop I work with 7 years old girls home yeah. and of course you can develop them uh, already there. Totally. Yes. Learn them how to pass the ball, but then they should play and have fun. You know, mm. everyone should play uh, uh, the same minutes every game. Uh, it should be evil for everyone. They should have fun. Uh, I think it's good to learn uh, the kids already early mm. how they play football. Right. Uh, we agree, and that's something we also try to emphasize on. When we coach, it's, it's very important when they are seven, eight, nine, ten that they play. Uh, so, uh, everyone play 
dominates uh, every game. Right, totally. It shouldn't be I'm... best, then uh, everyone should play, they should have fun, fun. We want them to play a lot. And also we have a big problem in Sweden when they uh, begin school, uh, 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. we have a dropout. Yeah, I was gonna actually. That's gonna be my last question. Um, I must tell you that uh, the time is. Uh, I need to go to a new meeting. So okay. Maybe one more question. Okay. So uh, you were talking about the hatred program that focuses between the 17 and 21 years old, and in Sweden, I see a lot of the money from clubs are relocated more to the men's side so the women's side is not really developing in the smaller clubs you don't see the same uh, investment on you know division 3 women's team or division 2 women's team and the money more goes to uh, the men's side is that something that you guys also try to promote to try to get more funding and education to the women's side and in that way, you know, with good facilities, coaches, keep these girls not dropping out. Yes, and that's a big, big question in Sweden right now. Uh, the, uh, the difference between men and women. Mm. Yesterday, what's the football scholar in Sweden? And uh, it's a big question right now when mm. it comes to the money that the, the men's uh, player have in the national teams or clubs yeah uh, and we have the highest league in sweden is semi-professional yeah we have 25 percent that play football on whole time mm. full time uh, and that 25 uh, percent is not on the same club it can be two players in you go down it, uh, everyone. You can say that in Rosengården, in Linköping, yeah. in one place, uh, from time. Mm. But uh, it's a big, big uh, difference between uh, women and uh, men. So it is like that. It's only only kind of maybe one girl on each team that maybe one or two that makes full time. Uh, yeah, not in, in every team, but uh, yeah. you have team. My own team, Jurgården. Yeah. Uh, they train seven six thirty in the evening. Yeah. Uh, Five thirty in the evening. Uh, the men's team on Jurgården plays uh, train on the day. Ah. Uh, so it's yeah. a bit different because the players need to work. Yes, and that's the maybe the, the change that uh, and the efforts we need to put in our time and resources in. Um, thank you so much, Victoria, for yes. a short but thank good talk. That's... Take care, man. All right. Yeah, take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Victoria Sandel Svensson. I mean, wow. I mean, I got st- stuck of, by something, good, man, yeah. that we need to talk about. What's that? There's that, a lot of good insights. There. Very good insights. Good points. You know, good points and, and spot on, right? But I was out shocked when she mentioned the stats about, like, only 25% of the women's players is actually playing professional like get get actually money to yeah. be living on it right i didn't expect that number to be that low but my question was kind of accordingly to it too you know like i seen i seen where clubs have put more funds on the men's side rather than the women's side and the gap between the men and women's uh, development is crazy because even in the lower divisions in Sweden, uh, you know, Division 1, Division 2, Division 3, there are men's that are getting paid. Mm, yeah. You know, not maybe these astronomical numbers that some professionals make, but they at least can have football as a part-time and then have a different part-time job. So they can combine it, but for women's man, they don't really have that uh, luxury, really. And uh, I read this article, amazing article from Guardian, and uh, it says that Neymar is almost making exactly as much as one thousand six hundred ninety-three female players in <laughs> France, Germany, England, U.S., Sweden. Australia and Mexico, dude. Combined. Combined. <laughs> combined. So many. And it's interesting because 
those countries that you just named france germany england sweden uh the u.s australia mexico yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they are countries definitely most of them at least are countries that uh, you think are leading the way when it comes to women's football exactly they're, they're, they they're on be, top man they're at the top yeah, yeah they're doing the most that they can for the game exactly um and yet now i mean neymar is one of the best players in the world true but true. still that he's earning as much as over 1500 combined <laughs> and you know like um that's not even bonuses or commercial value that he has you know and uh, to me it's um yes the 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 gap in equality is big like it's big you know what i mean it's big um but we kind of have to also look at uh, a little bit what is the federations doing right recently there came out uh, uh, news from norway that the money that the norway's football federation is making have a more equal split between the men's and women's okay it's you good. know it's i don't think it's 50 50 mm. but it's at least closer you know uh and uh, that has been a big talk here in U.S., hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, presidential elections has come up, and I've heard some U.S. soccer president candidates bring this up. How yeah, they say that the women, the women's side of the game needs to be considered equal to the men's side of the game. That's something that they plan on implementing. And over the last couple of years, we've heard talks uh, with like contract disputes with yeah. women's national team players, Hope Solo, for example, talking about or saying how it's unfair that they get paid differently from the men how they're seen as they're seen as less of a commodity almost to the men even though the men have been or sorry the women have been world cup champions olympic champions more successful yeah exactly yeah um so there's no right they they believe that they should be they, they believe that they're bringing in as much attention or as much value to u.s soccer as the men if not more so uh you know and there was big discussion recently in sweden about the contracts too you know they've uh, the female players almost boycotted to attend the annual swedish football gala oh yeah when they give awards to players and right at the like the almost like the last hour or so that they came to agreement and they showed up, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're hearing a lot of uh, disappointment voices, you know? I remember CBS 60 Minutes made a segment about this, and this is what Hope Solo said. Time and time again, we asked that we wanted to be paid equally to the men. And I'll never You've been asking for that for many years? Yeah, we have. We have. Every time we brought up the men, it pissed them off, it annoyed them, and they'd say, don't bring up the men. Don't bring it up. Globally, men's soccer is undeniably more popular and profitable than the women's game. When Germany won the World Cup in 2014, FIFA, the sport's international governing body, awarded them $35 million. A year later, when the U.S. women won the cup, the U.S. Soccer Federation received $2 million. Big run of the box. Men also make major league salaries playing for brand name club teams women's pro clubs have struggled financially so the women say they rely on their national team income to pay their bills unlike the men how are they paid differently there's two different pay structures the men get paid um, per game whether they win or lose they get paid the women were on a salary based uh, contract we wanted to compare two of the top players salaries vary but in 2015, Hope Solo was paid about $366,000 in total by U.S. soccer. In 2014, also a World Cup year for the men, Team USA goalkeeper Tim Howard was paid $398,495. She played in 23 games for the U.S. He played in eight. When you break it down per game, I think it's about three times as much. Now, first... We should make this clear that neither of us are really experts at the topic. I mean, I, all I can say is I think, yes, women should be treated as equal. Yeah. Um, should be paid equally. I don't know why there exactly why there's there is inequality. I don't know what the discrepancies are. Um, I, would, I mean, the solution is hard, right? I mean, yes, we understand that a player like Neymar is 
stronger, yeah. he's faster, he's more technical, his value that he brings in to the club and you know he's just a commercial commercial um, yeah but also like the chance that he scores in the champions league final and the price money and all that is like in a totally higher level right so i think that's i guess that's the difference but i assume that what a lot of advocates advocates of equality want are, are saying is that they think the uefa Women's Champions League yes. final, someone scoring that should be yeah. considered of the same weight. Exactly. And, and and my point is prize money that you get from the Women's Champions League final and men's right, right. are yeah. too, different too different, yeah. too big. But, but it should be more emphasis on making that prize money for women's higher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what it is that just... And it sounds, it sounds a little depressing to me, but it is what it is at the moment that just men's sports overall, overall. are just much more watched or much more uh, popular yeah. uh, for whatever reason. Um, so maybe that's something that I think should change, that get more people watching women's soccer, women's basketball, whichever. I mean, what, what when did the women's soccer really start with? You know, like we talked about men's soccer playing a lot of games in the early 1900s with full stadiums, right? Yeah, Wembley yeah. was full. And uh, what about the early? Well, I can tell you, fun fact, okay. <laughs> history fact, history lesson. I love when you do uh, that, Kerry. Uh, that, yeah, women's soccer it does take a, it does take a lot longer for it to catch on. As I mean, as, like Pia has mentioned, um, that many people, it's well known. Yeah. Uh, but there were instances, maybe rare instances, such as the early 1920s uh, in England, when uh, Wembley Stadium had a game, a women's game, uh, played in front of like 50,000 people. What? Uh, so, 1920s? Yeah, early 1920s. 1920s. <laughs> but then this was also when s- women's football was just coming up, but it was also when it was getting kind of shut down rather quickly why uh, i honestly don't know why <laughs> but <laughs> but but i mean what do you mean shut down i mean just shortly after this like i said early 20s yeah they would even play the odd game with full house uh with a full house but also in the 20s i know in england they uh the football association banned women's football or women's soccer being played uh, in many, many of the stadiums around the country, really, for that forbidden, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for like fifty years. That is crazy, uh, dude. I can tell you that I remember in my early soccer woman's career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my early soccer and enthusiast yeah. career, I don't know. Just as I was getting into soccer and I was reading a lot of books, yeah, I read of a team. Back in the day, during around this time, uh, called Dick Dick Cares Ladies. <laughs> I don't know exactly who Dick or who Care, care was, yeah, yeah. Care was, but uh, they were pretty much a women's like exhibition team that just traveled around playing friendly matches, and they would regularly beat uh, the men's, and that, they drew really? some popularity. That's so cool. Dude. They might have been shut down at some point too, but they went on for a while. I mean, if you also look in the in Europe, right? Um, when women started to get vote rights, the first they initiated in 1918 for women above 30 years old. Mm-hmm. By 1928, men and women got equal right to vote. So you you know it kind of puts you in a picture of what point we were at that time. Yeah. They kind of prohibited women to have more free role, and this is what makes me so happy. Um, like I, f- I think it was last week a game in the Mexican league that attracted thirty two thousand five hundred people, and it was a women's game, dude. Mm-hmm. Like almost like a full um, stadium, like a club game, dude. Too. More than some MLS clubs. Yeah, definitely. Um, or well, I mean, even a lot of clubs, no, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and you may get that occasionally. Or even this struggle sometimes with national team games. But with club games, you rarely see that, I think, on the women's side. No, you don't. Uh, it's not that many. Definitely usually. not that many. Yeah. I know in the uh, NWSL here, we, like a couple teams, Portland Thorns, Portland with a great soccer culture, Portland Thorns, um, Orlando as well, they're, uh, they have really good 
fan bases they have a nice nice support for their women's team but even then not quite not quite thirty thousand. oh that's amazing dude yeah we need I'm, more of that more 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 <laughs> more i mean yeah sorry just like what you see i think of, i just thought of marta <laughs> marta i love marta who came to sweden sweden the u.s yeah i remember in 2007 world cup uh the u.s and brazil played a semi-final and marta utterly destroyed the u.s yeah she's um, she, <laughs> she's still amazing i assume man. at that time this was i was first learning about her yeah. first saw her and at that time i remember on tv they compared her to ronaldinho yeah like a female ronaldinho yeah. but i mean she's kept going for a long time ronaldinho tuckered up <laughs> yeah a while ago but marta man she was so technical so fast such an amazing soccer brain you know and uh, to me she was one of the first big stars of soccer but very humble you know what i mean and after her, I see more and more profiles, you know, more soccer players that are getting Nike commercials, Adidas, you know, Alex Morgan, right, yeah. Hope Solo, you know, you, you have a lot of uh, players that kind of get a little bit star status. Even now, when the Netherlands won the Euros, uh, you have some players in the Netherlands that are, they're not superstars, but they have... Definitely a lot of people that follows them on social media, you know, so it's kind of comes down to like what kind of support are the Federation showing and giving, you know, like let me give you a crazy example, right? Um, when FIFA's event for the best player of the world event cost uh, 4.5 million dollars. Just to set together this event, right? Very exclusive and pricey. And then you look at the fact that and FIFA's budget to develop the women's soccer is mm-hmm. $5.1 million. Not a lot more. <laughs> Just half a million more. Really. Exactly. Uh... And isn't it that, isn't it there is, a, there is a shift that needs to happen? You know what I mean? There is like, a, you know, uh, a shift that we also not just like have the equal right but also like this inclusion we need to include the women's soccer players from a young age to even to the organizations to give them the right funds to give them the right education and help like um uh, like victoria is trying to accomplish you know yeah and you said one thing that she said was uh early on once they're seven eight years old she thinks that's so important to to it's important for the development to make sure they have fun with the game they enjoy the game but it's also to important to keep them a part of the game keep them a part of the federation a part of the system so they don't they don't you know taper off and go somewhere else exactly and uh, it's encouraging what's happening in clubs like Lyon, chelsea psg um, Arsenal, you know, Wolfsburg, these clubs are gaining more and more attention, you know, and uh, we want to create a world where women's soccer players can feel that, yes, it's worth it to make it to the pros. Yes, it's worth it to become a professional soccer player because I can actually live on it. And the responsibility is on FIFA, the responsibility is on UFO, and this responsibility are on you know Swedish Football Federation and U.S. Football Federation to take that initiative to give them that opportunity, you know, increase the budget, increase the marketing budget, increase the opportunity for teams to have a health organizations, you know, and. Uh, until we don't see that change, we're going to hear more and more and more about the disappointment. Like, I don't want to have, I'm going for a rant here, but like, I don't want to have uh, our girls believing in a dream that might be far-fetched. Yeah, like a false hope. False, false dream, hope, right? yes. And uh, I want to... If they want to be a professional player, then there's nothing that should stop them. From trying to achieve that dream, at least. Exactly. It comes to a point where, like, can you make money out of it? Yeah, can you get personal sponsors? It is a growing market, an untapped business, right? A lot of clubs are putting investment in this. I also want the federations around the world to start doing the same initiative and grow the women's soccer as well. 
So, Oz, yes. Thanksgiving was this past week. Yes, sir. But even more important, yeah. even more notable, yeah. was Black Friday. Oh, my God, dude. What's, <laughs> what's up with Americans and Black Friday, man? It's Black Friday. It's another very it's much American Cyber thing, Monday. Yeah, Cyber Monday as well. It, it's, yeah. uh, I don't know what... Tuesday, dude. Like, what's what's up? Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> no. Pancakes um, Wednesday. Um, what else? Honestly, uh, yeah, I guess that is another very American thing. I honestly am not crazy about Black Friday. I don't necessarily see the. I think it's random. Yeah, it's funny and sad hearing these stories of people lining up at, like, camping out at strange times in front of stores just so that they can get in at like four or five a.m. Oh my god! I mean, explain Black Friday. There's basically big stores and malls that dec- that has uh, their products for sale, yeah. but it's a, a lot of cheaper than the original price. So you get these massively crowds lining up hours, and once the door opens, they just run in like yeah, animals, and crazy. sometimes they get in fight. I know. And dude, that's I mean, what I got. That's again sad, but also kind of funny to me that they actually, yeah, okay, you'll be going in at uh, 4 a.m. for a discounted TV, but you'll probably, whatever money you saved yeah. for that TV, you'll probably have to spend for like a hospital bill after someone <laughs> punches you in the face for it. So it just seems. <laughs> Exactly, a strange dude. to me. Yeah, and it's not in like Europe very often. I know. It, I, I I've heard people talking about it. I think it's a slow growing culture yeah. in the rest of the world, but it's still it's not quite at the level we have here. And there's some places that still it's not really Black Friday isn't really taken hold yet. It's not. Is it Sweden? Sweden, I think, is not. Like I don't think in Sweden you wake up that early to go and line up in a in a store. You know what I mean? But I think they have. They use that term, you know, uh, Svart Freda. Uh, okay. You know, like they use That's... the word and try to have some discount, you know, just to get the customers in a little bit. Huh. Um, yeah, it's it's a phenomenon fits only Americans, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> like, it's a time when you even can buy, I guess, Christmas gifts, right? Sure. So, you know, would, what what is the best place to go and buy a gift for someone that you know? Where's the best place? Yeah. I don't know. The internet somewhere. I mean, no, but like, if, if I want to buy something for you, I would, and I'm in London, I would go to the Arsenal store, right? Okay. So, Team Supporter Club is like heaven. Sure. So, um, imagine going into the store, right? And you have jerseys, scarves, hats, and a guy comes to you and asks you, hey, do you want to buy this jersey? Uh, well, I guess it depends, right? If I would buy it, it yeah, depends. depends on the player. If he gave it to me for free, I'd take it. But if it was maybe, I'd likely buy it. I suppose if it was Sanchez or Ozil or Lacazette or even Wilshere or something like that, like a real superstar player that we all like. I mean, isn't it a little bit awkward that um, I don't know who came up with this idea, but. Uh, Chamberlain went to the Liverpool store and he asked a customer, a kid, right, to do, would you like to buy this jersey? And it was number 21, his name behind. Mm. And uh, it <laughs> didn't really go that well, did I don't it? I think it went as he expected. <laughs> Let's see how that went. There's a mannequin near the door with an Alex Oxlade Chamberlain shirt. Take the shirt off. See the little kid with a blue jacket on. Ask him to buy it. Excuse me, son. Do you want to buy this? No, are you sure? sure? He's going to be a superstar. One day. One day? You've been saying that for 10 years, though. About You've been saying that for 10 years about Chamberlain? That's since he was 14. Tell him he's the best signing we've done in the transfer window. Hey! Do you not think that's the best signing of the transfer window? <laughs> no! Why not? <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think. Uh... That's hilarious! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he's regretting that decision, maybe. I think so, too, man. <laughs> he's been saying that for 10 years. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, all right. So before we close out, tell me, tell the listeners, tell me, tell us all, tell the world. Tell the world. That what did you get for uh, Thanksgiving? This, this what card, you know? You, right, you oh, get the card. game? Yeah, the game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what this is. So. I mean, you know, like, 
You every year, right? <laughs> we do it every year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny, dude. Like the first time we happened, it was like this homesickness. You know, it was this where is home now, right? You, I wasn't secure enough in myself. And we have these moments, you know, we have that period of our life where we kind of strive for feeling safe, feeling home. So um, this time around, I'm like a different person. Like, I feel like I'm a different state. So okay. this time, I didn't even think about what would be underneath that card. Okay. Seriously, like, I was sitting there at the table. I was not even, like, I was looking at the card, but I didn't even think in my head that, shit, well, what, what is this time, you know? So, uh, and this is how life works for you sometimes, you know? It, it was my turn. I flipped the card, and it said, what body part of old people do you dislike? <laughs> what body part of old people? Yeah. <laughs> okay. do, do you dislike? And I'm like... My answer is turkey neck. <laughs> turkey neck? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, everybody at the table laughed. Like, all of them laughed. You know what I mean? They smiled. <laughs> they thought that was the perfect answer. It was comedy. Uh, you, you know, it was like spot on, perfect comment. And that's what to make, you know. And, uh, you know, it just reminds me where my state was back then and where it is now. So... You know, I am very grateful for how well I feel now. So imagine, right? I'll drive back. Okay. Imagine the Appalachian Mountains. This is like, this is the drive back from Tennessee to Georgia. The mountains are beautiful. All the what trees. What day is it? This is, this is uh, afternoon. Okay. This is afternoon. All the trees are like orange, yellow, some of green, and it's just amazing colors. It's the mountains that we drive through. We drive, we drive into curves, and it's so beautiful. And I was so happy to be there with Kaylee, and we're going home. And we're on these country roads. And, you know, sometimes you will be under the weather, you're not gonna feel well. All we do is want to be safe and to belong. And, um, you know, if you, if you are in that situation, we want to say from us, Coaching King, Sake Podcast Show, feel home with yourself and feel home with us. Once you feel home with yourself, then you will belong. That's why I got so happy when I heard John Denver's song, Country Roads, on the way back. And we were driving through the mountains and had this beautiful view and then that song came on the radio and uh, you know I was so happy that I was finally home thank you for listening to the Oz Koch and King Sucker Podcast Show thank you I hear her voice in the morning hours she calls me the radio of my home far away Driving down the road I get a feeling that I should have been home yesterday Yesterday